never stop questioning the pesticides in your food. That's how I got here. That's how I started. I was so terrified about pesticides in my food. And somehow I feel like that has become a little bit of a sideline to what our real focus, we've gotten lost a little bit. We have to bring that conversation back to the table. We cannot get sidetracked by you know, uh, being certified organic and all the registration and all these rules that we have to fill out. Somehow I feel like someone is making us fill all those registrations out so that we don't have time to really remember the right issues. Welcome to The Real Organic Podcast. I'm Lindley Dixon, co-director of The Real Organic Project. We're a grassroots, farmer-led movement with an add-on organic food label to distinguish organic crops grown in healthy soils and organic livestock raised on well-managed pasture. You just heard from Drew Rivers, one of the founders of Northern California's Full Belly Farm, a real organic farm celebrated for its diverse crops, thoughtful intentions, and accessibility to its customers in terms of hosting events like its annual Hose Down Festival this fall. Drew joined us last week at several of our Real Organic events throughout California to help us educate about the importance of this movement. Today we're sharing Drew's talk at last January's Real Organic Conference at EcoFarm. Drew has been involved with EcoFarm since its origins 44 years ago. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm Drew. I have been a farmer for 40 years now um, at Full Belly Farm. We started the farm in 1983. And um, we are, as many of you know, about a 400-acre certified organic farm very diversified, um, a very crazy place, honestly. Um, we have multiple enterprises. We have a certified kitchen. We do farm dinners. We have pizza nights. We have school groups. We have uh, a multitude of animals. Uh, we have interns, and it's a very um, dynamic and active place. And I'm really, um, really proud of being a farmer. Um, it's one of my uh, proud moments for 40 years. Um, but I would say that some of the, a few other things, I'm very also a proud mom of four kids, a proud grandma of 11, and um, really also just, um, proud of the fact that we are a partnership of many people that run our farm and that is an accomplishment that I feel like is one of my biggest accomplishments is that we are still all friends and love each other. So um, that's who I am. 
I, I'm not a great speaker. I love um, EcoFarm. I've been to every single EcoFarm except one when I was delivering my uh, third child. So I had a good excuse not to be here. Um, but um, I have been on the board of directors of EcoFarm for almost 40 years as well. So a bit boring person, really, um, but very uh, steady. Um, speaking is not my forte. I love, I'm a doer. I totally love um, being the person behind the scenes. But um, here I am because I do also have this fire in my full belly that gets me in trouble a lot of times. Um, so um, I wanted to start by uh, just reading a little piece that I read on January 1st, 2023 in the New York Times. And it was um, a really interesting article and struck me so um, importantly. Here it is how we will eat in 2023, 10 predictions from top food critics. This was a, a major article. Um, and quote unquote, briny flavors, high-end jello shots, a fascination with outer space, and a concern for Earth will guide our choices. Nearly every big change in how we eat starts as a fad. Fads sometimes fade away slowly like wine coolers, while, while others implode like turmeric lattes and then explode. Al is not bleakness, however. High-end jello shots, bright, naturally colored fare, and packaging that evokes the 70s are in. People want something fun, and they want newness, and they want natural. The food word of the year, of course, is regenivore. Because apparently the 2022 word of a climatarian is so passe that they had to create Regenivore. In reading this, it was like an 800-word article. The word organic was not mentioned or even hinted at once. And I had, I have to say, a bit of an ex existential crisis uh, after reading this. And I, I got a little bit sad, which for me is, is uh, not a thing that I do very often. I'm a pretty optimistic farmer. Um, but it got me thinking about the last 40 years of my life. Was it all a fad? A craze, a dream that was about to explode and disappear. And I started really thinking very deeply about organic and the word and what that means to me. And as a farmer, an educator, a lambing midwife, a mother hen to interns, every fiber of my body for the last four decades has been devoted to that word, organic. 16 hours every day, talks, 
tours, testimonies, feeding my children, feeding hundreds of interns, cooking now for a mass of grandchildren. It is truly my life, my spirituality, my every breath. On the way down here, we were talking about what part of speech is organic? Is it an adjective? Is it a noun? For me, it's a religion. Like, I live the word organic every single day. And where I, I landed is in my thinking was that organic is much more than just a word. It's certainly more than a word defined by the USDA. To me, it is an elemental truth that to grow and eat food that comes from healthy, vibrant soil, grown with love and compassion for others, it's a notion that's so basic, it's almost like breathing. We don't really think about taking our next breath. It just comes naturally. So like breathing, it's almost also easily a little forgotten. And I think it's gotten a little blurred by the fads, by the next hip concept. We forget where we are in our breath until suddenly, if it goes away, well, damn, we better start breathing again. And so at this moment in time, after 42 years of EcoFarm and all of us working so hard, I just feel like it's possible that that word and its deep spiritual meaning, meaning could be extinguished by jello shots. Come on, I know that we're here to stay and to become even more real than ever. And so we have, uh, we have outgrown the fact that we're not a fad. A fad is maybe a year, three years, but we've been here for 40 years. So in light of that, I just felt like I wanted to revamp our activism. The time to act is now. Why? Why are we all in this room gathered together here still? So I came up with an organic activist manifesto. Forgive me, Michael Pollan, if I'm being usurious of your concept, but it was so brilliant, so simple yet so fat, profound. Surely you all remember from Michael's book, The Defense of Food, The Eater's Manifesto. Eat food, mostly plants, not too much. It was so brilliant. I, I remember that 10 years after reading it. It's, it's just so basic. So I have um, three little things I'm gonna say about my organic activist manifesto. And there, um, these pictures are really just to be pretty and to make me feel at home. They have nothing to do with my talk. Um, so the three things for the Organic Activist Manifesto. Start at home, 
be kind, and never waver. Start at home. Let's start there. Not sure how many of you were around 45 years ago and starting or wanting to farm. My young mind was enraged by the news of pesticides slowly infiltrating foods and communities. Hearing about farm workers poisoned and sick, reading Silent Spring. I was at a land-grant uh, college, UC Davis, that was catering to corporate agricultural chemicals. And myself and many of you in this room, we were in the thick of that, the heart of it, really. 1975, young UC Davis ag major. There were no sustainable ag degrees to be had. You would never utter the word organic, Francis. Um, I was in a room with many of my college professors one day and uttered that word, and they said, that is voodoo agriculture. In fact, there was very even little organic food to buy unless you grew it yourself. That is where we started. There were no cell phones, no social media, no computers, and I used rub-on letters to create the first EcoFarm newsletter because my royal typewriter didn't have different fonts. This was a movement that started at home by slow mail, by word of mouth, by friends coming over for dinner, talking one-on-one, -on -one. small groups gathered together here and there, invited by actual landline phones, a handful here, a few beacons of light there. Yet this homegrown movement, a movement of idealists somehow managed to turn an agricultural industry upside down from a few million dollar hipster organic sidelines at a natural food store to a $125 billion a year food industry. I actually loved looking at Alan's slides this morning and thinking, wow, we actually started a lot of that incredibly complex conversation. I get more fire to make sure that it continues now in the right direction. I sincerely believe that this idea of starting at home will continue to be our strength in the next five to 10 to 20 years as we forge the way of the real organic movement. It will and has to be our path and we cannot forget how truly powerful it is. We need to continue now more than ever to live by example, people seeing the truth of what we are doing. In her book, Under the Sky We Make, Kimberly Nicholas, who's a leading global sustainability scientist, says in her chapter, What Makes Change Happen? She says, my personal experience of seeing what makes 
change happen is my most powerful motivator. I was inspired most by seeing the actions of people around me who led the way with their own behavior. Research shows that this is how social and cultural change actually happens and scales up from person to person until it reaches a critical mass where the whole culture is affected. At our farm, we have affected thousands and thousands of people just by inviting them to our home to hear our story over and over again, to dance on our land at the Hosedown Festival, inviting school kids by the thousands who now know the story of black gold and compost, of animals on pastures with real names treated with love, milking cows and shaking the fresh yellow cream into butter. These are moments that cannot be captured in any other way but at your home. Syngenta does not have this tactile, colorful experience to offer young, bright-eyed children. And I can guarantee you that not one person working in the offices of Monsanto know how to milk a Jersey cow. This is our advantage and our power. Make sure that your home, your farm, your business is an open invitation. Always open and always tell your story. My mom always said, as I was entering my teenage activist years, first your room and then the world. Uh, so the other side of the start at home activism is asking yourself every day if you are walking your talk. At Full Belly, we are, need to be continually challenging ourselves to make sure that our house is in order for the visitors so that we can truly be magnets of change. We are always looking at things. How can we use straw mulch instead of plastic, plastic? How can we build better soils? How can we treat our animals with even more? more compassion. The list goes on. So number two in the manifesto, be kind. Wendell Berry is my favorite author, poet, farmer, and his notion that it all turns on affection has to be our guiding principle. Remaining kind and compassionate in the face of other emotions that we are bombarded with every day, fear, anger, violence, criticism. We, I have always been a firm believer that love will always win. Kind words will always win over anger every single time. We all of us have been patient and kind, and it is the reason we are still here. I refuse to grow into a bitter grandmother, always negative, always fighting against something. I want the next 40 years of my life to be positive, and this is where we have always shined. We provide a, an example of positive alternatives. 
Every real organic small farm I have ever visited has been a beacon of light. And so much of that is because of our kindness. In our valley, when we first went into the Cape Bay Valley, um, we were met with a lot of skepticism. We needed to find commonality with the community, be kind. We praised the green, jello, and white marshmallow salads and the big green bean canned green bean casseroles at the Grange meetings. We, and instead, we brought big fat apple pies to win, win them over, not mentioning that the apples were grown organically at, at our farm. Let the neighbors, the farmers, let them fall in love with your kindness and generosity and affection. Never waver. Can I have one more minute? Okay. Um, I want to say and say it with humility that we are right. We are on the right path without being righteous. We are following the path and we know that this is this is right. Wendell Berry, in one of his other infamous lectures, said, in humanity, there are two kinds of people, boomers and stickers. Boomers, he said, are those who pillage and run, who want to make a killing and end up on Easy Street, whereas stickers are those who settle and love the life they have made and the place they have made it in. Stickers are motivated by affection, by much love for a place and its life. We are doing the right thing, being stickers. Never doubt that. Uh, I have woken up every morning for 40 years at Full Belly Farm, and I have never once doubted that I am on the right path. It is right livelihood, what we're doing. And we have to remember that, um, that, that, that that's our truth. We, we truly are on the right path. Um, I just want to end with, these are my motivators. These are my grandkids, and they are the new generation of stickers. We have so, so much work to do. And um, I have a list here of all the things I feel like in this next year that I want all of us to be working on. Never stop questioning the pesticides in your food. That's how I got here. That's how I started. I was so terrified about pesticides in my food. And somehow I feel like that has become a little bit of a sideline to what our real focus we've gotten lost a little bit. We have to bring that conversation back to the table. We cannot get sidetracked by, you know, uh, being certified organic and all the registration and all these rules that we have to fill out. Somehow I feel like someone is making us fill all those registrations out so that we don't have time to really remember the right issues. So fair labor. I love our farm crew. Honestly, I can say that every morning they walk within a few feet of my bedroom as they come to the farm and they whistle and sing. They are a joyous bunch. 
each one of them deserves the Nobel, Nobel Prize for right livelihood. And so I'm so excited that we're joining forces with Naturaland, who has labor practices as a add-on, as a rule that you have to follow certain um, parameters that farmers have to follow for fair labor practices. And I just want to end with, where did volunteerism go? Um, many of you in this room were talking to me this morning about, wasn't that a time in the 70s when we were all getting this movement going and everybody was just so up in arms and we would stay up till one in the morning and we put 200 produce baskets together and delivered them to the state capitol. And where did that volunteerism go? We need to bring that back right now. So the time to act is now. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you so much for listening to the Real Organic Podcast. This movement is growing because you're subscribing and sharing these podcasts with your friends. Please leave us a rating and a review so that others can continue to find us. As always, you can find a video version of this interview at realorganicproject.org or on our YouTube channel. Please join us next week when we'll be hearing from Jim Riddle. He's the former chair of the National Organic Standards Board. He's the founder of the International Organic Inspectors Association, IOIA. And I met him uh, as a farmer at Minnesota's Blue Fruit Farm. He is also an advisory board member of the Real Organic Project. So the guy is busy in the organic movement. We're so pleased to have him support us. Mm -hmm.